Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is theologian Dr. Christopher West. Dr. West, welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience. And if you would be so kind, I'm sure our audience would appreciate if you could lead us in a brief word of prayer. Happily, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for creating us as male and female, according to the image of your own eternal exchange of love in the Trinity. I ask that you would guide this conversation, that our eyes would be open to the marvels that you have revealed in creating us as male and female. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your incarnate Son, born of the Virgin Mary, and we ask it also through the intercession of St. John Paul II. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Well, first of all, Dr. West, I appreciate very much you coming on. I understand that you are going to be coming out to the West Coast, and you will be speaking in Brea at St. Angela Marici Parish on November 15th. Did I get all that correct? You got all that correct, and I can't wait to come out. I've been to Southern California many times, but I don't believe I've ever been to this particular parish, and I can't wait to be there with my team. We are hosting or while the parish is hosting us, we are presenting an event called Made for More, Visions of the Promised Land. And it presents an introduction into the beautiful vision of human life, of the human person, of the liturgy, of the Eucharist, of what it means to be on this planet called Earth and what our ultimate destiny is, how to live according to God's plan for us. Uh, it's a beautiful introduction to what I would describe as the answer to the crisis of our times. If you look back at church history, and uh, you and I were chatting before we started the interview here, I know you have a heart for church history. Love it. There is crisis, put it this way, crisis is nothing new to the Catholic Church. <laughs> there, have, there have been crises throughout the centuries, but at the same time, if you notice the pattern, whenever there's a great crisis in the Church— the Holy Spirit raises up a great saint to respond to that crisis. And the crisis today is of a sexual nature. We no longer know what it means that God created us male and female. We have, we have lost sight of that, and it's being violently attacked. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, Rick, but there is a war on the meaning of being male and female in the world today. And the impact of that on the church the impact of that on the liturgy, the impact of that in our personal lives could not be more devastating. But the Holy Spirit has raised up a great saint to respond to this crisis. And I'm going to propose to everybody listening that that great saint is Pope John Paul II. And the antidote that he gave us to respond to the crisis of our day is called the theology of the body. That's what we're going to be introducing people to at this made for more event. 
Okay. The theology of the body, the phrase is, has been used before, and of course it's important to John Paul II, but for a number of our listeners... Uh, yeah, it's John, probably unfamiliar. John Paul has been gone for a while. So before we get into that, because uh, I am going to need you to explain to us a little more about this theology of the body and how that really yeah. frames who John Paul is, Absolutely. tell me just a little bit about yourself, because you're coming out here, and all I know... All our people are, have heard so far is that you are Dr. Christopher West. What does that mean? Who are you, Dr. West, and why are you coming out here? <laughs> well, let, let me tell you how I got involved in this whole ministry, and that might shine a light for people. That'd be great. So I was raised in the Catholic Church in the 70s and 80s, went to Catholic school most of my life. And the basic message I heard, uh, if I were to sum it up, was basically your your desires are suspect especially those desires, and you need to repress all of that, but follow all these rules, and you'll be a good, upstanding Christian citizen. Well, I've come to describe... <laughs> I've come to describe You're talking that, to a convert, and I, I, I guess we, we Protestants, uh, back when I was a Protestant, I think we caricatured Catholics that way, so it's good to know that, it, that the caricature actually had some, some basis there's of truth. There's some merit to it. There's definitely some merit to it. I've come to call that approach the starvation diet gospel. <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> and I, be I became a quick convert in my teenage years to what I've come to call the fast food gospel. Oh, I'm not sure and I want to hear the details of that, but okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't give you the details. I'll just give you the imagery, right? Yeah. The, the, we're we're the all thankful of, for, the, for, the, for the sacrament of confession. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the basic idea of, of a fast food gospel is that the culture is, is saying, here's what you want. Here's the immediate gratification of your desires. Bring your hunger here, and this will satisfy you. I don't know about you, Rick, but I'm a hungry guy. Like I, since I was a little boy, I have felt this ache, this longing, this this thirst for something. And if the only two choices are starvation and fast food, I'm going for the chicken nuggets. <laughs> and and don't don't lie to me; those chicken nuggets taste good going down. <laughs> but if that becomes your steady diet, eventually the grease and the sodium is going to catch up with you. And so that's a picture of me in my college years. I was in a lot of pain from the choices I had made and from the places I was taking my hunger. And it put me on my knees in a college dorm in 1988 saying, God in heaven, if you exist, you better show me why you gave me this hunger and you better show me what I'm supposed to do with it because it's getting me and everybody I know into a hell of a lot of trouble. What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Well, Jesus said, seek, and you'll find. I sought what I eventually found a few years later, now we're in the early 90s, was this teaching from John Paul II called the Theology of the Body. And the basic idea is that our bodies tell a divine story, right? Theology is the study of God. Theology of the body is the recognition that God created the human body to be a sign in this world of his eternal plan. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look at the scriptures, you'll notice that from beginning to end, the Bible tells a story about marriage. It begins in Genesis with our creation as male and female, and the call of the two to become one flesh. Throughout the Old Testament, God speaks of his love for his people, 
as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom is literally embodied when the word is made flesh. I mean, right there. Let's just talk about the incarnation here for a moment. John Paul II says, If it seems strange to you to speak of the body as a theology, a study of God, it shouldn't if you believe in the incarnation. Right? Through the yeah. fact that the word of God became flesh, he says, the body entered theology through the main door. Wow. I mean, when you think about that, if you believe in Christmas, you believe in the theology of the body. You believe that God took on a body to reveal through the body of Christ the mystery of God. That's what we're getting at. Uh, keep going, though. Skip to the end of the story. The book of Revelation describes heaven as an eternal marriage. So look at those bookends of the Bible. It begins with the marriage of man and woman. It ends with the marriage of Christ and the church. Now we have the key that unlocks the whole story. And here's the whole Bible in five words. God wants to marry us. Wow. That's the whole story in a nutshell. Well, let me come and back. And it. No, 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 I was just going to, I was going to say, let's, let's, I want to bring it back to your story for a moment. Yeah. So you're in, you're in 1988 and you got hit upside the head with this. That's when I fell on my knees and said, God help me. But it was a few years later. So it was 93 that I discovered the teaching. Okay. And, and yeah, I realized for the first time, Christianity is not a starvation diet. It's an invitation to a wedding feast, to a, to a banquet of love that corresponds perfectly with that hunger that I have felt in my bones ever since I was a little kid. This is good news. This is good news. Yeah. we got to tell the world. <laughs> okay, so let's fast forward for a little bit. So yeah. Christopher West, what does that do to, to young Christopher West? Yeah, so I'm 24 years old when I discover this teaching, and, and Rick, I, I honestly felt like I had discovered something as big as the cure for cancer. Like, that's what it felt to me. And at the same time, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I went to Catholic schools my whole life and never heard any of this. And I, I just felt a, a call. I felt a mission that I, I, I just had a sense. I would spend the rest of my life studying this teaching and okay. sharing it with the world. Wow, and that's how it's that's what's happened. It's unfolded in that way. And in the years since, I know that you went back and you got your master's degree in this stuff, and then you went yeah. on to get your your doctorate in theology. Yeah. So now, what do you do? Well, what brings I, you out to Brea? And, and where? <laughs> yeah, I'm the president of a theological institute called the Theology of the Body Institute. We are dedicated to sharing with as many men and women as will listen. This beautiful vision. Uh, one of the things we offer is a master's degree in this vision in partnership with Pontifex University. Uh, we also have a certification program for catechists. But to be honest, most people just take our courses for personal enrichment. Uh, we offer them in a five-day retreat setting at a beautiful retreat center in Pennsylvania. You can also take these courses online. Uh, but one of the things we also do at the Theology of the Body Institute is we send out missionaries into parishes to introduce parish life to this vision. And that's what this Made for More event is all about. It's kind of our flagship parish event where we just invite hungry people to the banquet. We lift a corner of the veil and we say, look 
how beautiful God's plan is for your life. And we do it in a very creative way. It's, I would never in a million years call it a lecture. This is not a lecture. It's more like a night at the theater. We have live music. We have big video screens. We're showing uh, movie clips and YouTube videos uh, intertwined with live music and presentation, sacred art, secular art, quotes from John Paul II and, and Pope Benedict XVI and lots of other saints to unfold for us this vision in a way that ignites our passions and directs those passions towards the wedding supper of the Lamb, towards the Eucharist. That's what this Made for More event is all about. It's saying, it's really saying, hey, the fast food does not satisfy. You are made for more than what the culture is holding out for you. We want to give you a true vision of the promised land, a place where you can direct your hunger and not be disappointed. Wow. Okay, so we have established why you're here, <laughs> and yeah. the the reason you're here is because we have all been engaged in starvation dieting for many many years, and or you discovered in fast food. <laughs> you've you've discovered in John Paul that there's actually not only an alternative to fast food. You're really going to like this. It's a feast. It's a wedding Amen. feast. And Amen. when we come back, I want to start unpacking a little bit about just what it is that John Paul was onto and what it is you're yes. going to be presenting. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Christopher West, and he is going to be coming out uh, on November 15th to the Brea area to St. Angela Marici Parish. We'll tell you how to get a hold of information on that later. When we come back, we're going to be talking about just what this theology of the body is all about. Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Christopher West, who is from the John Paul II Theology of the Body no, Institute. Oh, let me, let me yeah, cor- cor- correct me on that, Dr. West. Sometimes we get confused. I, I'm a graduate of the John Paul II Institute, but I went on to start and found a theological institute distinct from that called the Theology of the Body Institute, which has a slightly different focus. The John Paul II Institute is more of an academic approach, and uh, what we're doing at the Theology of the Body Institute, we we like to call it the marriage of the head and the heart. uh, Kind of an immersion type thing. Immersion, as we call it, our head and heart immersion course is our flagship offering, and we're trying to, to get what John Paul II has given us off the shelves of academic theology and into the heart of just normal people like you and me who who live in the parish and we're trying to raise families or we're, we're trying to discern our vocation or we're, we're, we're trying just to get through this life, which can be very difficult. And we, we need a map. We need a vision. Uh, scripture says without a vision, uh, the people perish. And that's really, Rick, the state of the world today. We have lost a vision of what it means to be human. And not only that, but the true vision of what it means to be human which is revealed in our creation as male and female, is under violent attack in this modern world. Uh, There's an all-out war going on against the meaning of our creation as male and female. Let's talk 
I was going to yeah, say, let's, go let's talk a little bit about that. And, and setting this up a little, in the 1950s and 60s, we had, with uh, Pius Twelfth, we had a, a sense of bringing up some of the dialogue that hadn't been talked about in a while. Uh, it was beginning to percolate. Yeah. And when the Second Vatican Council was called, of which literally when John the Twenty Third called that, what one, one of his assistants fell off his chair at the, but he because he hadn't been yeah. prepped that it was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but the idea was to actually start talking about these spectrums, and for a long, long time there had been this understanding about uh, we need to to couch all of this in academic terms, kind of the Thomas Aquinas approach, right. of which. Thomas Aquinas, of course, is fantastic, but Thomas Aquinas, if you simply just read him as chloroform in print, it's very, very hard to to right. really engage without a guide and a guide to the guide. Yes, yes. And one of the problems that I think a lot of us, us meaning theologians, got involved with in the 1950s and 60s was trying to hold all the controversial material at arm's length. And... This Karawatyla in in Poland didn't do that. He That's had right. he had two doctorates, one in theology and one in phenomenology, which I think has to do with how we understand what we understand. Which, if you wrap your head around that, that's actually a pretty interesting way of looking at things. But it meant that he really wanted to get into that, as you put it earlier, an immersion approach to theology. You know, this is a man who who was very athletic. When he was, he loved working with the youth in his parishes. He yeah. loved going on camping trips with them. And he, he relished the aesthetics, the beauty of creation and, and God's creation, especially Correct. in human beings. He loved young people, and especially young lovers. Gosh, he, he loved people who were in love and, and he wanted to though make sure that they got blessed into a happy Catholic marriage, not something short of that. Yes, Carol Wojtyla said in a book that he wrote called Sources of Renewal, this is before he became Pope John Paul II, it was a book he wrote in Poland uh, as his, his attempt to implement the vision of the Second Vatican Council in Poland. He said that the goal of the Council, the Second Vatican Council, was to make the doctrine of our faith a lived experience of the heart. And until that happens, the fruit of the council will not have been born. And this is getting exactly at what you're saying, Rick, We and what I was saying earlier, that we have to take the doctrine, the theology, off of just the, the shelves of academia, and it needs to become a lived experience. And, and you mentioned John Paul's use of a philosophy called phenomenology, which is a fancy word. It just means the study of phenomena as we experience them. Like I was talking earlier in the interview about my experience as a boy of this hunger, this ache. Uh, I'll never forget, I was eight years old. I'm lying in my bed. This is 1977. And Bruce Springsteen comes on the radio <laughs> singing his 1970s anthem, Born to Run. Yeah. And at the end of this song, he cracks open his rib cage with and lets out what I would now describe as a guttural O antiphon. It's just this 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 cry of his heart for something. And when I heard that on the radio, I'm eight years old. 
my heart split open and I started to pine. I started to ache. I started to yearn. Bruce Springsteen taught me how to yearn. That's a phenomenon that, that I experienced. Tragically, in my Catholic upbringing, nobody connected that experience with what I was learning in religion class. You know, and I can summarize what I was learning in religion class with one word. Boring. It, it didn't connect. Um, John Paul II was the first person in my life, when I started reading him, he was the first person to connect my experience with the doctrine of the Church. For example, when I first read this Theology of the Body, I'm 24 years old, as I had said, and I felt like he was talking directly to me about that experience when I was eight years old. And it was as if, it was as if he was saying, Christopher, do you remember that feeling, that ache, that, that, that passion that was awakened in you when you heard Born to Run on the radio? Well, that passion has a name. And to my surprise, borrowing the language from the Greeks, the Church calls that yearning we all feel eros, E-R-O-S, right? What English word do we get from that Greek word eros? I'm sure you know it, Rick. Uh, erotic, yeah. Erotic, right. But for me, when I'm in my early 20s, the erotic realm was synonymous with the pornographic realm. Right. And, and John Paul II said, no, 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 no. You are confusing eros with another Greek word, porneia. Porneia is the distortion of eros. And, and here we, we stumble upon an utterly essential principle of Catholic theology. And it is this. So important. The devil does not have his own clay. All he can do is take God's clay, and God looked at everything he made and said, Behold, it is very good. All the devil can do is get his hands on God's clay and twist it. Porneia, pornography, is a diabolic twisting, a diabolic mockery of a heavenly reality. That's what the, it's a hellish mockery of a heavenly reality. We could put it that way. Wow. He's taking something beautiful. He's taking something sacramental. Yes, indeed. St. Paul tells us the one flesh union of husband and wife is a great mystery that reveals God's eternal plan that Christ would marry the church, that Christ would become one flesh with the church. That's the whole purpose of human sexuality in God's plan. But the devil gets his hands on that and twists Eros into something pornographic. What has to happen and what, what the theology of the body does for us, and it's not like some teaching changes our lives, it's Jesus Christ who changes our lives. And the reason the theology of the body has been so important in my life, and the reason I believe it's the antidote to the crisis of our times, is because it reveals to us the meaning of the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, the meaning of his passion, death, and resurrection for saving us from the hell that we are descending into in the modern world because we have lost sight of the meaning of being male and female. We have lost sight of the meaning of our bodies. Theology of the body is the antidote to the crisis of our time.
Wow. I have heard John Paul being compared to a rock star before. I have never heard it specifically said that he was to be compared to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> but I, I would say John Paul II illuminated yes. for me what Springsteen stirred up in my heart. It's a fa- yeah, it's a fascinating analogy because what you're basically saying is Bruce Springsteen may not have known what the heck he was doing, but he was nevertheless tapping into a very human phenomenon yes. of, of seeking yes. that he let loose with that one guttural That's cry right. out. And John and Paul II it. identified what that cry out was all about. It is correct. People are searching for God, even Bruce. Exactly. If I can quote Springsteen again, everybody's got a hungry heart, right? What is that hunger for? The version of Christianity, which is not Christianity at all, that I was raised with, was the starvation approach. Stuff the hunger, uh, repress all your desire, follow the rules. Well, the gospel on display in the culture is fast food, right? Bring your hunger over here. Immediate gratification. The gospel I heard proclaimed by John Paul II is that the passion that was awakened in me when I was a boy listening to Springsteen on the radio is a passion and a desire for God. And there is a wedding feast that corresponds to that passion and hunger. We, we could put it this way. Christianity is for hungry people. And unless we are in touch with the deep hunger and thirst of our souls and our bodies, we, we have no idea what Christianity has to offer. And we will reduce it to moralism and legalism and rigorism and pharisaicalism. And, and Christ was so adamant that this is not what religion is all about. The invitation of the gospel is to bring your hunger to the infinite joy that is called the marriage feast of the Lamb, the, the, the wedding supper of the Lamb, which is the Eucharist. We could put it this way. If the Eucharist is real, if the Eucharist really and truly is food come down from heaven, to bring to us, through that food, the joys of heaven itself. Well, guess what? We have a song to spring to sing to Bruce Springsteen, who's got a hungry heart. We have a song to sing to Mick Jagger, who can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and it goes like this. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. If the Eucharist is real, if it really is a sacrament here on earth of the feast that awaits us in heaven, then we got to tell the whole world to aim everything they yearn for at that little white host. Wow. Wow. You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and with me today is Dr. Christopher West, who is uh, talking about the impact that John Paul's theology of the body had on him and can have on us. He is going to be talking more about this when he comes out to Brea on November 15th. We'll talk a bit more about how to see him, but we still have uh, more to talk about regarding John Paul and the theology of the body, and how that uh, impacts us, uh, both as uh, followers of Bruce Springsteen and of God himself. (laughs) You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back.
Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is uh, Dr. Christopher West, who is coming out to talk in Brea in November about John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and that the Theology of the Body for John Paul kind of grew out of the era with uh, Pius XII. And then it enters a whole new era in the wake of World War II, in the wake of a lot of our thoughts and feelings being shattered. And what is brought to us in that era are so many things, including the beginning of the Second Vatican Council and this new theology of the body. And Christopher West, thank you so much for coming out to talk to us a little bit about what this all means. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm glad that you brought up Pius Twelfth because... There's something that happened in his pontificate, the fruit of which has really yet to be embraced by the Church, but I believe it's coming, and it really is. I would even call it the pivot of the 20th century, was 1950. Do you remember what Pius XII declared in 1950, Rick? You're going to to remind me. I am. He declared as infallible dogma that the body of the Blessed Mother was assumed into the life of the Trinity. Now, he didn't and, invent that then, did he? No, he did not invent it, but he declared it as infallible. And this is this is of great significance for what we are living through today. Why, why do I say that? Well, the 20th century, think about this. We harnessed the power of the atom in the 20th century. We, we got down to the, the fundamental reality of matter, and we split it. And it unleashed the horror of Hiroshima, right? In the middle of the 20th century, after this horrific splitting of the atom and the degradation of World War II, which saw the burning of millions of bodies, the gassing and burning of millions of bodies in in the Holocaust. By the way, young Carol Wojtyla, who would become Pope John Paul II, lived in Krakow, where, where... it could rain ashes from the burning bodies from nearby Auschwitz. The, the stench of the burning bodies was hovering in the air. These were his friends. These were his countrymen who were killed there. He himself would have been sent to Auschwitz had his underground seminary studies been discovered. He lived through that horror, what you, what you, what you could call an all-out war against matter, against the body. Uh, that was the 20th century, and we are reaping still the horrors of a failure to understand the meaning of our bodies in the 21st century. But right there in the center of the 20th century, we have the declaration by Pius XII of the ultimate destiny and meaning of the human body. It is this. The body is destined. Your body, Rick, my body, and everybody's body who's listening to this show we are destined to participate bodily in the eternal ecstasy and joy of the Trinitarian life. That's our destiny, the, the infinite ecstasy of God. We exist because God wants to share his ecstasy with us bodily. But think about this. The scripture says that Lucifer and his fallen angels, that they fell out of envy. This is something we really need to press into, because in order to win a war, you have to understand the mind of the enemy, the mind of your opponent. And 
God knows we are in a war, and the war, we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting the principalities and powers of this dark world, which means we're fighting demons and Lucifer. That's what we're fighting. And why did he fall out of envy? What does he envy? Well, what do we have that the angels don't have, Rick? We have a body. Body. Exactly. And what is the body destined for? To participate in the eternal exchange of the Trinity. I mean, if you think about it from a moment, there's a part of me that says, gosh, it would be a heck of a lot easier for us just to be a disembodied spirit floating around and believing in God. And you don't have hungers, you don't have pain, you don't have the things that a body needs, you just have your spirit. And yet I'm brought back to, and yet the angels couldn't handle that. The angels, the angels either, the good angels are in awe of the human body, the fallen angels are in envy of the human body. When Gabriel came to Mary, he was in absolute awe of Mary's body, because Mary's body was about to become heaven on earth, the dwelling place of the Most High God. Mary's body was about to give flesh to the second person of the Trinity in order to reveal in the physical world the generation of the Son that has been happening for all eternity. It was about to happen in her womb. (laughs) That's why God created woman, so that the second person of the Trinity could take flesh. This is the ultimate purpose of a woman's body, and this is why Lucifer's enmity his hatred is aimed in a very particular way at woman and her ability to bear offspring. Right? right from the book of Genesis, we see this. I will put enmity, God speaking to Lucifer here, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. That's ultimately a revelation of the incarnation. The angels envy the fact that we have bodies because our bodies get to participate in the eternal life of the Trinity. They can't experience that. Here we have to understand that envy is not only jealousy. Jealousy says, I wish I had what you had. But envy goes a step further and says, I hate that you have it, and I want you to hate that you have it also. Wow. That is it. Such an important distinction. Yeah, look how successful Lucifer has been in getting humanity to hate our bodies, in getting Christians to hate their bodies. We have this idea, which is a heretical idea, that when we die, we are finally liberated from the prison of our body, and our soul flies off into freedom. No, no, this is not our faith. That comes from the philosophy of Plato. Plato saw the body as a prison of the soul. No, Catholicism sees the soul as the form of the body, meaning the soul is only human in as much as it gives form, shape, to the human body. When the soul separates from the body at death, as Peter Christ says, we have a freak, we have a monster, We have an obscenity. And then he goes on to say, this is why we are afraid of both ghosts and corpses. This is the stuff of our horror movies, right? Ghosts and corpses. Why? Peter Crave says, because they are the obscenely separated aspects 
of what we know in our bones belongs together as one. Our destiny is not to be liberated from the body, right? Christianity does not proclaim salvation from the body. It proclaims salvation of the body. In fact, I believe, uh, yeah, this is this was in the cycle of readings just recently, uh, where we, we heard St. Paul proclaim that we hope for the redemption of our bodies, and that all of physical creation is groaning as in labor pains of a pregnant mother waiting for human beings to say yes to the redemption of our bodies. This is our faith. This is so, so fascinating. I, I had on uh, a couple months ago uh, Father Spitzer. I'm sure you know who he is. Yes, I sure do. And uh, we were talking about uh, the reality of the Shroud of Turin. And regardless yes. of how people feel about the science behind the Shroud, it's still a reminder one way or the other. And I happen to believe that it really is the Shroud of Christ. But if you don't, that's fine. But the idea that it could be means that we buy into the idea that Jesus didn't just live as a human being. His resurrection is as a glorified human being. Yes, yes. And we, St. Paul says we carry in our bodies, in our bodies, the sufferings of the Lord. Why? So that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our bodies. This is why the enemy is after our bodies. He is envious of our bodily participation in the life of the Trinity. And here's how we can look at the war going on in our world today, Rick. The war is between the Word, which is Christ, and the anti-Word, which is Lucifer. And the Word is always the Word made flesh. St. John, in his letters, says, here's how we test the Spirit, to know whether it's the Holy Spirit or the evil Spirit. The Holy Spirit always moves in the direction of the Incarnation. Remember, Mary says, how will this happen? How will I become pregnant? I do not know man. And the angel Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will move upon you, and you will, and Christ will take flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit always to give flesh to spiritual reality. Conversely, the movement of the anti-word, the movement of the anti-Christ, is to deny incarnation, to rupture the spiritual and the physical. Why? Because that's what death is. The very definition of death is the separation of body and soul. The very definition of life is the unity, the integrity of body and soul. Christ came so that we might have life and life to the full. That does not mean escaping from the body. It means it means the integrity of the body and the soul. I mean, look at it from this perspective. Religion, in a general sense, is often thought of as a flight from the physical world to reach the spiritual realm of God. Christianity is the exact opposite movement. It is God, who is pure spirit in himself, moving in our direction, taking on a body in order to meet us right here in our bodies. If, if we are trying to live a spiritual life divorced from our body, 
We can make no sense of a God who has wed himself to the body in order to meet us right there. This is our faith, which means matter matters. And a summary of all heresies throughout human history is the summary of all heresies is basically this. Matter doesn't matter. That's the summation of all heresy. Matter doesn't matter. No, 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 no. The incarnation proclaims and reveals that matter matters. Uh, The world is telling us today that our bodies are meaningless, whereas Christianity has always proclaimed that the body reveals ultimate meaning, because ultimate meaning itself has taken on a body, a male body, born of a female body, to reveal in and through masculinity and femininity the ultimate meaning of the universe, which is the call of creation to be wed to God in the marriage of the Lamb. The eternal marital plan of God was chiseled by God right in our creation as male and female, and in the call to become one flesh. And that's why the enemy is attacking right here. Wow. We need to take one more break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about a a couple of things. One, we're going to finish into, finish is the wrong term, we're going to delve a little more deeply into this theology of the body, but I also want to bring up another work that's coming out that you've been working on, and that has to do with something John Paul did back in 1962. And we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Christopher West, and we will all be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today, and I want to thank profusely is Dr. Christopher West, who is coming out to St. Angela Marici Parish in Brea on November 15th. Now, there is a cost to that. There are tickets available. In order to to get the tickets, you need to contact uh, the parish, or you can go to the website m4mbrea, B-R-E-A, it's it's the diocesan website, I believe, dot eventbrite.com. Or just call up the the parish and they can go ahead and get that information to you. That's going to be on November 15th at St. Angela Marici Parish, which is where Dr. West is coming out. And I want to thank you, Dr. West, for the time you've been spending with us so generously uh, in this broadcast. You also have been working on another project that's coming out that I want to briefly mention because I think it has to do with what we're talking about. Yes, it does. And and that's this, there was a work that was mentioned by an, another theologian that has not been known widely before, and it is from 1962 when John Paul had been a bishop for only a couple of years, and he was, yep. he had written and, and led a retreat, but it was focused on the beauty of God's presence in our world. And this goes yes. back to a theology by a guy by the name of, of Von Balthasar, who I don't want to go into a whole lot, but he was very important to the theology of John Paul. He and was, yes. His whole because focus. Because of his focus on, yeah, his focus on beauty. Carol Wojciechowski, yeah. as Bishop of Krakow in 1962, delivered a retreat called God is Beauty. And it was a retreat specifically to artists. 
to recognize that that the beauty that the artist is trying to communicate really and truly, whether he knows it or not, is the beauty of God. Yeah. Uh, that's what art's goal is, to reveal beauty. And small b beauty, meaning the beauty of this world, whether it's creation or uh, whether it's God's creation or the creation of artists, beauty in this world, small b beauty, is a sign of capital B beauty. Like an beauty icon. Beauty of God. Yes, like an icon. Exactly, exactly. And this retreat uh, by Carol Wojtyla has never been translated in English until now. The Theology of the Body Institute, of which I am the president, we got special permission from the Vatican to be the first publishing house to put this retreat in English. And it will be available in the month of November. You can pre-order it now if you would like. If you Google John Paul II, God is Beauty, it will come up. And uh, we have you can pre-order this book. It may even already be available to pre-order on Amazon. It's a very rich reflection on the human heart's attraction to beauty. Why are we so drawn to beauty? What is it about a sunset? What is it about a flower? What is it about a, a rainbow? What is it about the smile of a child? What is it about just, the human body? The human body, exactly. We, well, let's look at that for a moment. Because all of creation... The beauty of creation is sacramental. What does that mean? It means small b beauty leads to capital B beauty. But what is the crown of creation? What is the most beautiful thing God has created? It's the human person, male and female. It's the human body. <laughs> Haven't you read, Jesus says, that in the beginning, God made them male and female and called the two to become one flesh? And let us not forget that in the beginning, they were naked and felt no shame. What is that all about? And why was shame regarding the body, why was that the first result of original sin? John Paul has such a keen insight here. He says they were naked without shame because they saw the full beauty of God revealed through the human body. What happened with original sin is we were blinded to the full beauty of God revealed through our bodies. So the goal, what's the goal of the Christian life? Jesus says, come, follow me, and you will become one who sees. What will we see? We will see the full beauty of God revealed through his creation and especially in and through the human body, male and female. The problem in the modern world is, as Jesus himself says, we look at the body, but we do not see the beauty of God. We've been blinded. Christ is in the business of giving sight to the blind. But we have to admit that we are blind in order to receive the remedy. Right? And that's the gift of this retreat uh, called God is Beauty. John Paul II is really uh, helping us to open our eyes to the beauty of God that is everywhere. And he's helping us even more, as he himself says, to make of our own lives a beautiful work of art. That's holiness. Holiness is to become beautiful. Holiness, this is a quote from Pope Benedict XVI, holiness, he says, is to be seized by God's beauty, to be pierced so 
so deeply by God's beauty, Pope Benedict says, that we become God's beauty. That's what a saint is. That's what holiness is. Nothing is more beautiful than authentic holiness. So when we are beholding the resurrected body of Christ, yes. we are we are seeing the beauty that we are to be brought toward. <laughs> yes, yes. And guess, guess what this, the Scripture says? And, and we, we often kind of, it goes in one ear or the other, or we're not paying attention, but there's this one line in the resurrection account that couldn't be more important, and it is this. He left his grave clothes behind. What does that tell us? It tells us there's a new creation. He's raised on Sunday, which is the first day, right? It's the first day of a new creation. And the new Adam is coming out of the ground in a garden, just like the first Adam, naked without shame, right? The glory of God has been restored to the human body. That's the whole goal and purpose of the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is to restore creation to the purity of its origins, to restore the full glory of God in and through the material world, especially the human body. This is our faith. Wow. So when you're coming out to uh, Brea, this program that you're putting on made for more visions of the promised land, yes. you're going to be acquainting the people in a in a more multimedia setting, yes. but you're going to be acquainting people with essentially what does this actually mean in, in more depth. If that can be understood, more depth than what we've actually been dealing with today. Oh, oh, there, oh, oh there's more depth, my brother. We are only scratching the surface of the surface's surface. <laughs> and yes, we are, we are going to be implementing that night or presenting that night uh, really what John Paul presents in that retreat, God is Beauty, through visual art, through music, through the spoken word, through the sung word, we are going to be lifting a corner of the veil to re- reveal, and reveal means unveil, the beauty of God. When we catch a glimpse of that beauty, our hearts are drawn to it. I understand the musician Mike Mangione is going to be there. Did I say his name yes. correctly? Yes, Mike Mangione. And Mike Mangione is a beautiful folk Americana artist. He's kind of like a Catholic Bob Dylan. And his, his music will rock but, your world. But, but not a Catholic Bruce Springsteen. Or Springsteen, sure. sure. Just to go back to where we began this. That's right. Yeah, That's right. because we're, we, we all have our hungry hearts and um, everyone is born to run to this event. Amen. Hey, <laughs> way to connect the dots there. That, that was great, Rick. I love it. So for... For anybody who's been interested in what we've had to say uh, today, we're going to be talking more, you're going to be talking more when you come out in November, on November 15th, to St. Angela Marici Parish. Uh, they can call, by the way, down to St. Angela Marici Parish in Brea at 213-703-5220. That's 213-703-5220. And they yes. can get more information on... Dr. Christopher West coming out to talk about the um, theology of the body and how beautiful that is. Yes, these events do tend to sell out. So I just encourage people, if your heart has been awakened 
in this conversation you want to attend, I would I would strongly encourage you to to jump on that because they do tend to sell out. I want to thank you again for coming and talking to us, Dr. West. It has been a deep pleasure of mine to be able to chat for a while about some wonderful topics regarding one of my favorite saints in the entire world, John Paul II, who was very instrumental in my becoming Catholic. That's Uh, beautiful. Dr. West, if you would be so kind as to lead us all in a word of prayer, I think we would all be appreciative of that. Happily. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you took flesh to reveal the meaning of our flesh. You know well, because you bore it in your flesh, the war, the attack against the flesh, against the the meaning of our creation as male and female. You have already borne that battle in your body, and in your resurrection you have already defeated the enemy who attacks the meaning of our bodies. We ask you, please, Jesus, to open our eyes to who we really are, to enable us to experience and live the full power of your resurrected body in our bodies. We ask for the courage to bear in our bodies your sufferings, Lord, however they may come to us through illness, through lost loves, through tragedies, through any number of things that cause us to suffer in this world. You know these sufferings very well, Lord, because you bore them in your body. Give us the grace to bear these sufferings in our bodies in union with you, so that we might also bear in our bodies the glory, the joy, and the life of your resurrection. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dr. Christopher West, thank you again for coming in and talking to us uh, so deeply about the theology of the body of John Paul II. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. If you would like to hear this again, you can hear the podcast not long after it has been broadcast uh, on your local uh, radio stations through Relevant Radio. Uh, our podcast can be can be found at the website for Orange County Catholic. That's OCCatholic.com. And at OCCatholic.com, you can go to the radio tab where you'll find a number of radio programs we host, including the flagship show, Orange County Catholic Radio, in which you'll be able to find this podcast. And you can refer it to other people, and you can also then ask people if they would like to go to this event on November the 15th at St. Angela Marucci Parish in Brera. We thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week.